All right, it's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Make sure to follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts for episodes every day, Monday through Friday. Coming up, I'll be joined by Connor Letourneau of the San Francisco Chronicle to discuss the Warriors' exit interviews and then map out a plan for the offseason. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the heels of the Warriors' season-ending exit interviews with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, I thought the best person to bring in to help me break this all down would be Connor Letourneau, the excellent Warriors beat writer, uh, my friend over at the San Francisco Chronicle. Connor, what's up, man? Thanks for having me, man. Uh, excited that the season is over. I feel like there's been a weight lifted on this year. I mean, that was, look, it was a fun season. I thought that was a really exciting Warriors season. Everything that Steph Curry did, the way that the team changed from the beginning to the end. But for a team that ended up 39 and 33 and missing the playoffs, I thought it was also sort of a, a surprisingly eventful season. And uh, it's nice to have, I'm not going to lie, nice to have a little bit of a break. Yeah, no, not 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 gonna lie. We talked about it a million times on the podcast, but um, what really is the point of going to the first round and, and losing in in four or five games to Utah? I yeah, mean, I do wonder what the Warriors were texting each other when Memphis won Game One. <laughs> yeah, but Memphis is in a different situation than the Warriors. The Warriors, the reason they lost that Memphis game was because they were exhausted, and they weren't going to just stop being exhausted when they played Utah. Uh, so I still think they wouldn't have had a chance against Utah. I actually think in some ways Memphis is a better matchup for Utah, but, um, you know, especially the last two months of the season, very eventful. Um, we didn't have any trouble finding things to say or write, uh, because things were kind of coalescing and guys were emerging and, um, you know, so there's definitely some positive takeaways to take into the off season. Um, but bottom line, it's just to me unacceptable to not make the playoffs when you have Steph playing at the MVP level and Draymond playing at a defensive player of the year level. It's just not okay. <laughs> no, it's crazy to think that these Warriors have missed the playoffs now two years in a row, right? After after coming off of the 2019 finals, the fifth straight finals appearance, they've now missed the postseason for two straight years. And I have said on this podcast time and time again, it is absolutely unacceptable to lose two years in a row or to not make the playoffs two years in a row. Everything that you think about championship culture that you may have goes out the window. If you miss the playoffs two years in a row. Now I will say this, the way that they finished the season, I think helps that a little bit. The fact that Steph Curry is an MVP finalist, I think helps that a little bit. And I do believe that in the league, there is still a belief that the warriors have a quote unquote championship culture, but what I don't know that that's going to be enough for the Warriors to sort of get the free agents this offseason that they want to get. Let's put a pin in that, though, because uh, um, you know what? Let's just talk about it now. Forget it. Um, last year, Bob Myers in this exit interview said that they, beca- they came in second place for a lot of ring-chasing type vets. And when Clay Thompson went down with his Achilles injury, that those guys moved on to other teams. And th- the first name you think of is Marcus Gasol. And yeah. from, from the indications that I got in the offseason that they were very close to Marcus Gasol. Now, I don't know if Marcus Gasol had them as second and the Lakers at first or if the Warriors were somewhere in the top five of his list of would-be destinations. But 
that was one of the names that I think the Warriors believed they were in on, even after dra- having drafted James Wiseman. I thought they thought they could have used a guy like Marcus Gasol. Um, do we think that the season they just had puts them in position? Because that's what they said. They said, we hope the way we finished the year, despite missing the playoffs, the way we finished the year at 15 and five with Steph playing the way he did at MVP level will be enough. And Clay Thompson coming back, obviously will be enough to attract some of those ring chasers. Do we think that that's so? Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think that, it depends on what that free agent's options are. Um, if it's between the Warriors and a team that I think is a bona fide title contender, like like the Jazz or the Nets or something, I think that they would obviously lean toward those options. But um, if it's between like the Warriors and the Clippers or the Warriors and maybe the, the Lakers and Clippers, I think you could make an argument that with a healthy clay, they have as good of a chance or close to as good of a chance as those other teams mm-hmm. uh, of, of contending next season. So I think it completely depends on what their options are. The one thing about Golden State is that they don't, they don't have anything else other than Steph and I suppose living in the Bay area to sell to free agents, right? Where, you know, they only, they're only going to have the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is a little bit more than $5 million. They're only going to have veteran minimum contracts to hand out. That's basically the same thing that Brooklyn can give the Lakers, the Clippers, Denver, uh, which seems like a really nice place to live. Now I would put Utah on the list, but I don't know how many players want to live in Salt Lake city. If given the opportunity, if given the choice, um, New York, the New York Knicks are in the playoffs right now, depending on what they do in the first round. Like that might be a, a location that players want to go to and live in Manhattan. Miami is in the finals, right? Like they, and they always are in the running for some of these type of free agents as well or not in the finals, in the playoffs, I'm sorry. Um, and so there's a lot of teams, kind of those coastal elite teams. May I say all of the coastal elite teams are sort of con- in the playoffs contending and the Warriors are not. And they don't, and like I said, it's not like they have a bunch of cap space. It's not like, you know, uh, ring chaser number one can say, hey, I've got all these coastal elite teams that are in the playoffs uh, and all the, but at least the Warriors ha- can offer me $10 million. They can't. Right. The money is going to be the same everywhere that that player is looking at. And, you know, I I think the Warriors really do have to hope that that player, for whatever reason, is attracted to the Bay Area or Steph or Draymond or Steve Kerr or or the opportunity that could be there. That's what they're going to have to sell them, sell that player on. And so we'll see. I have a list of players that I want to get to, Connor, that I will put a pin in that I will tease until the end of the show. I do want to talk about these exit interviews and the major takeaway that I had from it. And it was the fact that this team stated, and I thought very convincingly so, their commitment to James Wiseman being on the team next year. Bob Myers flatly saying we, we don't envision trading James Wiseman, and we believe he will be on the team next season. Um, before we talk about all the sort of implications of that, do you buy it? I buy that he expects to have James Wiseman on the team next season. Do I buy that they are completely opposed to trading him? No. Um, if you looked at the exact wording of what he said, he said, we don't want to trade James Wiseman. He could have easily said, we're not going to trade James Wiseman. He didn't say that. He said, we don't want to trade James Wiseman right now, which, yeah, you don't want to trade him because you don't, you don't, A, you don't know what is out there for him. You don't, you know, haven't gotten a compelling offer. So yeah, right now you don't want to trade it, but uh, you know, 
Bob Meyer's job this offseason is going to be to survey the landscape, see what the value is, see what the interest is. And if there's a situation that's going to make his team better, he needs to uh, capitalize on that opportunity because if, if we learned anything this season, it's that the Warriors need to do everything in their power to maximize the rest of Steph and Draymond's primes and, and Clay Thompson's as well, for that matter. And that means not waiting another year. You can't have another, uh, another development year. You need to go all in on chasing a title next season. I don't, I don't think they're that far away from being legitimate contenders, but I do think they're at least one big swing away. And this roster as it's currently constructed with no other major pieces added and also potentially losing Kelly Oubre. I'm not, I don't think that's a title contender. So, um, and they only have a couple paths to, to make that big swing. Right. I mean, they, they're deep in the luxury tax. They don't, they can't sign a big name free agent. Um, So you're looking at, you got to look at your assets and your assets right now are James Wiseman, that top three protected pick protected pick from Minnesota um, your late lottery pick in, in this year's draft. Um, those are your assets. So if you can package those with a, with potentially another big contract, maybe you can orchestrate a, a sign and trade with, uh, with Kelly Oubre, or maybe you can, um, you, you're willing to give up Andrew Wiggins, who's been a really good player, but you'd probably be willing to do that if it's for someone like a Bradley Beal or like a, just a player of that, caliber um i think i think they need to do it and and i wrote yesterday i can and we we've actually talked actually one of the good things about these pods is sometimes it gets my the gears turning in my head and i start thinking of things that i wouldn't other think otherwise think about i talked about it on the pod a couple weeks ago i wrote about it yesterday comparing it to the early 2000s when uh the portland trailblazers traded jermaine o'neal to Indiana for Dale Davis. To me, the Warriors are in almost the exact same situation as the Blazers were at that time. Um, the They have an aging core. They're kind of on the verge of being contenders, but they're not quite there yet. They need a, they need a legitimate bona fide uh, starting center to, to complement someone like Kevon Looney. And the Blazers in that situation decided, you look, Jermaine O'Neal, you're really good. You're 21 years old. You're still raw, but you're going to be really good. Unfortunately, though, we just can't wait any longer, man. We can't wait any longer. Mm-hmm. And so they traded him for Dale Davis, who was coming off an all-star appearance back in the when the Eastern Conference would have centers going to the all-star game who weren't really all-stars. But he was coming off an all-star appearance, averaged a double-double, and then came in and was like a decent starter for them, but they didn't, they didn't achieve the goal. They never even made the finals. Meanwhile, uh, Jermaine O'Neal – blossoms into a six-time all-star with the Pacers that could end up being what happens if the Warriors trade Wiseman but I still think that it's a risk you need to take if if the option is available today's episode is brought to you by Lucy Lucy nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative finally tobacco alternatives that don't suck researched and developed for three years to be made for people not patients Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine and that comes in three flavors, winter green, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in these three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now, and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere 
on flights, at work, on the go, even at the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you could spend pre-tax dollars on them. Locked on NBA Network listeners, go to lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Support for today's show also comes from our friends at Rock Auto. With an ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all of the parts you need for your car, especially now, while you might not want to be visiting a traditional store, so do it easily online at rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need, from engine control modules and brake parts to tan lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Right. Well, the bottom line is that nobody's untradeable, right? I mean, there's a, the short list is is very short. Steph, LeBron, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson. I guess Kevin Durant would be on that list. Like, that's the list of guys who are untradeable. James Wiseman's not on that list. I, and you're right. Bob Myers, we don't want to trade James Wiseman. They don't want to trade James Wiseman. But if the right player becomes available, then Wiseman would certainly be part of that package. Uh that said, we don't know if that player will be available. And if you're a front office that is just crossing your fingers, waiting for some other team to get unlucky and for their star to request to leave, and then that star also requests to go to Golden State. Let's also remember that that is a key part of any star wanting to leave, and the Warriors just missed the playoffs, um, that, that that happens. If you're a front office crossing your fingers that that sequence of events happens, and you're a bad front office and you're not doing your job. Um, the Warriors are not operating that way. The Warriors are committed and prepared to having James Wiseman on their team next year. They don't want to trade James Wiseman. In other words, that translates to they are not actively shopping James Wiseman. And I think that is enough of a revelation in and of itself, because there had been a lot of talk, like you were saying, Connor, do they do the Dale Davis type deal? Do they do something like that where, hey, let's punt on his long-term outlook in order to get somebody who more immediately is helpful? Um, to me, Kevon Looney earned the starting job. And if he's not the starter next year, it's a slight to him. And it's a slight to the rest of his teammates who played so much better when Looney was a starter. He ought to start next year. And it'd be unacceptable, quite frankly, if as long as they don't bring in another center who's uh, very clearly better than Looney, uh, for him not to start next year. You can bring in Wiseman off the bench. I think what they learned this year was that they need to manage that those expectations better. They need to massage those expectations better. And, and part of that is bringing him off the bench and letting him develop slowly and under his own pace. Because I think that, 
they were surprised by how steep that learning curve was. I think Wiseman was surprised how steep the learning curve would be. And some of it's mental, some of it's physical, right? He's seven feet tall, 240 pounds, but doesn't play like it. Physically, he's not at the same level as a Jonas Valanciunas or a Jokic or something. He has a hard time with those guys because he's 20, you know, and those guys are adult physically in their prime men. And he's not yet. Um, and that's okay. The, the timeline doesn't exactly line up, but if you're committed to having a guy who can blossom into his prime when Steph and Draymond and Clay are no longer in theirs, then I think there is a way to do it. And, and I don't want to use Steve Kerr's words that he used so much using saying thread the needle. Cause I don't even know that you necessarily need to thread the needle. You just need to play Wiseman 12 minutes a game coming off the bench, playing in an up-tempo second unit with Jordan Poole, Juan Descano Anderson running up and down the floor and just let him, you know, catch lobs and dunk. And I think you can manage that with having Looney playing the heavy minutes. It's starting at center and probably bringing in another third big into that group and, and just cycling through having your bullpen of centers that we have known the Warriors to have for so many years and just making Wiseman a part of that and taking those expectations off of him. And when, when Bob Myers and Steve Kerr were talking yesterday about Wiseman can help us next season. Yeah, he can. And that's what I believe they were thinking of. They were right. thinking he can help us in a bench role if he's still on the team. You know, he can he can be that lob threat, that change of pace type guy to someone like Kevon Looney, who's a very different type of player in many ways. Um, you know, he he can have he can have value. Uh, but do you do you want someone who's still an asset, who still has trade value and and still could be a part of a, a package for for a bigger name guy? chipping in 12 minutes off the bench when reality is you could fill that role with an Alex Lynn type or, or someone in free agency on close to a minimum contract. You right. Know it's I mean? expensive, right? It's, he's yeah. going to be making $8 million next year. So that's a financial investment. There's obviously an organizational investment. I do think that given that Alex Lynn or somebody like that doesn't have the long-term outlook that you're basically paying now for the, the ceiling that Wiseman has later on, it's because I think he could, for sure. It's a, it's definitely an investment, and um, I still think that you could develop in that role. I don't. I think that the Warriors saying, "Hey, James Wiseman needs to play in order for him to develop," was them trying to shortcut his developmental process. Given that Clay Thompson was down this year, and that this season before Wiseman got hurt was all about his development and Wiseman getting to some sort of place that he can be a meaningful contributor next year. I don't think that that was ever going to happen. However, minutes he was going to play, even if he didn't get hurt, I don't think that I don't think that is something you can shortcut. Um, and Steve Kerr sort of in his conversations with us over the season sort of waffled, right. Where he was like, Hey, he needs minutes in order to develop. And sometimes you say, you know, minutes isn't everything like playing time. Isn't the only thing about development. You can learn a lot by watching the game and being around the team. I actually tend to agree with the latter point. I think that just being around and maturing physically and getting in and practices, and by the way, Warriors barely practice this year. And, and uh, most teams barely practice this year because of the COVID protocols. Um, I think that there's still a, a way to play him 12 minutes off the bench a night and him develop um, at a rate that is a little bit more organic, a little bit more natural to him while he could still maybe help you, um, you know, every, every other night or so, you know, every few nights, like he's not going to come out and score, you know, 15 points and grab seven rebounds every single night playing 12 minutes a game, but there'll be some nights where he does. And the Warriors severely lacked those kinds of guys who can just sort of explode any given night and help you win a game right? Because they were basically playing just the eight guys over the final month of the season or so. 
Uh, Wiseman can be at least a guy who's a little bit of a swing factor, an X factor for you next year. And they need those guys, right? They can't just all be reliable Kent Bazemore vets. They need some of those swing guys. And I think Wiseman could be that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, I'm not even saying that they have to trade Wiseman. I'm just saying that you need to be open to it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And um, my co- I, my yeah. colleague, Scott Osler wrote a column and I thought it was a, a strong column advocating for the Warriors to look into trading James Wiseman. And he laid out the case, a lot of the same points that we're talking about right now. And that story blew up online. One of our most read stories in the sports section all year, insane numbers, insane. And it just shows how polarizing of a topic this Mm -hmm. is. And we got a lot of flack as a, as a staff saying, Oh, that was clickbait, blah, blah, blah. It's not clickbait. It's a legitimate it's a legitimate storyline. Okay. It's a legitimate conundrum that the front office is facing. I have talked to people within the organization who have confirmed that this is something that's being discussed behind the scenes. It is a thing. And it, to me, it's the most important question and storyline facing this team this off season. So um, yeah, I, I don't think we should be criticized for bringing up what is a valid point. And look, Neither of us are saying they have to trade him. We're just saying it needs to be on the table. For the right player. And I think that's why the Warriors are saying, well, first of all, they're not going to come out and say, we, we're really shopping James Wiseman right now. They're never going to say that in an eggs interview. They obviously got together, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, as they always do before these things, and discuss, all right, what are, what are we saying publicly about these topics that we know we're about to be asked about in a few minutes, right? And they, Wiseman was obviously something they knew they were going to be asked about. Um, if they trade Wiseman, it won't be the, it, like, I don't know what they're getting. I don't think it'll necessarily be the wrong move as long as they get something back in return that could be immediately helpful. If they don't trade Wiseman, I also don't think that that would be the wrong move. Saying Them saying we don't want to trade James Wiseman, I do think it's a slight hedge. And we see this, by the way, every single year. I think, didn't the Rockets say we weren't trading James Harden? And then a week later, they turned around and traded James Harden. I mean, this is just what happens. This is just what happens. Uh, here's one that I'm not. Like, just, I we've been talking a lot about packaging packaging him for like an all-star caliber player but the big pitfall to me of doing something like that would be you'd probably have to include Andrew Wiggins who is has proven to be a very helpful player for this team on both sides of the ball and I think she could be their long-term answer at small forward Um, Mm -hmm. so that's that's a big loss even if you're even if you're talking about bringing back an all-star caliber guy and there's no guarantee that guy will be even available but should the Warriors be open to packaging someone like James Wiseman with maybe the top three protected pick from, from uh, Minnesota, which is probably if it conveys to the Warriors will probably convey in the seven to 10 range. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's the eighth pick in the draft, the eight pick with Wiseman. Are you willing to package that to move up to maybe number one or number two in this draft? No, no, no. I don't, I I don't think Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, both of whom, yes, they're young, but they're much more ready-made than James Wiseman. No, I'm not. I, you don't – look, I love Jalen Suggs. I'm very high on Cade Cunningham. I'm not new to that take, but um, I don't think that you trade two rookies for one rookie, generally speaking. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think any of these guys, as good as Cunningham is, as good as Suggs are, I don't think any of these guys are like Luka-level type of blue-chip prospect, Zion Williamson level. I think they're, they're good, 
but they're maybe a hair below that. And if it was a Luca type prospect, I would absolutely do that. But then again, I don't think the other team on the other end would do that. Right. And I don't know if you're, if you're Houston and you've got an opportunity to take Cade Cunningham, would you trade Cade Cunningham for the seventh pick in this year, eighth pick in this year in James Wiseman? I wouldn't like, I would just go ahead and take Cade Cunningham. So I, I, that's the other thing with, with the James Wiseman thing is, okay, let's, you could theoretically discuss trading him or not trading him or whatever, but when it comes to like brass tacks, who are you trading him for? And I think the Warriors have done a survey of the league. There's really not anything out there, which is why I thought they were so emphatic about the fact that they don't want to trade him and why I thought that there was some genuineness to those, those, those comments is because I think they understand that across the league, until unless somebody shakes loose, there's really not a package out there that is worth punting on Wiseman's long-term ceiling. And I, I tend to agree with that, by the way. Uh, now, I don't know. If Bradley Beal somehow becomes available, if Ben Simmons becomes available or something like that, you must have those conversations. But right now, it doesn't look like those guys are available or anybody else is coming available. So we'll see. Um, let's move on, though. Support for today's show comes from Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is in the playoffs. The NHL season and Major League Baseball are in full swing. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. If you go to BetOnline right now, you can get the Dallas Mavericks as seven-point underdogs to the Clippers. Now, I don't know that Dallas wins game one. But I have no reason, or, or wins game two the way they won game one, but I have no reason to think that it's going to be, that they're going to lose by seven points. You know this if you're a listener of this show, or if you're a listener to Locked On NBA, and I said this on today's, uh, this morning's episode of Locked On NBA, I don't believe in these Clippers in the playoffs. I know they're very talented, I know they're very deep, and I know people look at Kawhi, Paul George, the fact that they're in LA, the betting public will look at the, that team and give them the edge because they're this, you know, they're the Clippers, right? They make a big deal of themselves. But I think the Mavericks are really good, and Luka Doncic is a problem for them. They're going to put Kawhi on Luka tonight. That's the idea. But that opens up a whole lot of things, a whole lot of other weaknesses in L.A.'s defense because now you don't have Kawhi as a help defender, right? And you could just do a very simple pick and roll with him, get Kawhi switched off of Luka, and now Luka's going downhill against one of L.A.'s other defenders. I like the Mavericks as seven-point underdogs. If you do too, you can put some money down over at BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, go to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I bought their comments on James Wiseman a little bit, uh, I, like we just talked about. The one I'm not buying even a little bit is the Kelly Oubre stuff. I'm not buying that even a little bit, that they want Kelly Oubre back and that Kelly Oubre, moreover, wants to be back. I am not buying that at all. I think that is posturing by both sides because to say anything else would, if you're the Warriors, it would, um, it would uh, deteriorate Kelly Oubre's sign-and-trade type of value. And if you're Kelly Oubre, if he said he didn't want to come back, it would take away bargaining power from him and his agent in a, in, as an unrestricted free agent. I am not buying it at all. I have a very hard time seeing Oubre as part of the Warriors next year. I do too. Um, for all the reasons we've discussed in the past. I mean, he literally came out right after the trade deadline and said, I'm not a, I'm not a bench player in this league. 
He literally said that there's, there's not, uh, and he was pretty emotional when he said it. I mean, there, no one could have heard that and believe that he was coming back next season. Now, can the, can the Warriors orchestrate a sign and trade and get him paid more than he probably would otherwise be getting paid? I think that's a situation that could benefit both parties. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Bob is actively starting to think about. And I think that's why he came out and said what he said yesterday. I mean, it, I was almost stunned when he said that he came out and said, he's said that he wants to be here. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't discredit that maybe he did say that around the trade deadline, but even Bob has to understand that he probably didn't mean he wanted to be here long term as a as a sixth or seventh man. I don't and think that Kelly Oubre said that. Later, I minutes later, Steve Kerr gets up there and goes out of his way to reiterate the fact. Yes, re- reiterate the obvious, which is that Clay Thompson is going to start next season. Like Steve wouldn't go out of his way to say that if he actually believed. Kelly was coming back next season. I think from Steve Kerr's perspective, I think he would welcome Ubre back to a certain respect. Um, if because I think they found a little bit of success of Ubre coming off the bench, playing small ball four, and that might be his role in a, in a Warriors type of team. Um, but Steve Kerr doesn't isn't the general manager. He doesn't have to make those decisions. He doesn't have to pay those bills. And if you're asking Steve Kerr, hey, if it's if you want us to spend ten to fifteen million dollars to bring Ubre back, or just not have that at all and try to fill out the rest of this roster with a mid-level exception minimum contracts, which one would you rather have? I think Steve Kerr would say, hey, as as weird as it was and as clunky as a fit as it was, I would rather at least have the guy than not have the guy. Of course, Steve Kerr is going to want to say that. He's the head coach. He wants as many tools as possible to work with. No doubt. Uh, Bob Myers is thinking about this from another perspective, and Joe Joe Lakeup is thinking about this from a very financial perspective, and you can't blame him. But um, I do think that there – I don't think that Ubre ever said that he wants to be back. I'll say I'll just say that right now. I think that that was Bob Myers being a former agent, um, working with Kelly wow. Oubre and his and his representatives. I, j- I think that was that was, hey, let's just all say that this is the line, because to say anything else hurts both parties. And they knew they were going to be asked about this. So right? Wes Goldberg, just for the record, just called Bob Myers a liar. I didn't call him a liar. I just said that he did. He he told a little bit of a fib in order to help his team. Hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. I know. No, I know. But I think that's absolutely what happened. I don't think that I I I don't know. I'm calling it out. I don't think Kelly Bray ever said that he wants to be in in the war. No war. Like Kelly Bray understands that Clay Thompson is coming back and that he's not going to start next year. He knows that. And to your point, he doesn't want that. So yeah, I don't think that, that ever happened. I don't think Bray ever well, said he wants to be there. One thing that's already been made clear is that Bob hasn't been talking to. Ubre directly about this stuff. He he's said before he's with his management going yeah. through his agent on everything. So even if that message was conveyed, it wasn't conveyed probably in the exact way that Bob made it out to be yesterday, which it made it sound like he had a direct conversation right. with Kelly. Which well, I he might have in their in their exit interviews. I think they they did. I'm I'm saying that yeah. Kelly Ubre sat down in exit interviews, and I'm telling you that he never said that I want to be here. That's yeah. me guessing. I'm not reporting this. So this might get aggregated and whatever. Go for it. I don't care. That's not what I'm saying. Don't take it out of context. I am just guessing that that never happened. Very strongly guessing because it doesn't make any sense. I don't see Kelly Oubre saying that. And I, it just makes all the sense in the world that Bob Myers has worked with Kelly Oubre's agent. You're absolutely right. They talk a lot 
about things during the trade deadline. And now as an under, as their, you know, highest price tag unrestricted free agent, uh, I do think that they're going to try to operate a sign and trade uh, to facilitate a sign and trade for the exact reason you said for Kelly Oubre, what's the benefit? Well, it opens up more options because as an unrestricted free agent, if he wants the money that he's going to be able to make, then that limits teams to only yeah. that only have the cap space in order to pay him that amount of money. Uh, as a sign and trade, he can go basically anywhere, anywhere that wants him and is willing to also play ball in a sign and trade. Uh, for the other team, it obviously helps that team bring in a player that they otherwise couldn't afford um, and helps maintain a little bit of cap space otherwise that they can use somewhere else. And for the Warriors, maybe all they do, they don't, maybe they don't get a player back. Maybe they just create another expensive trade exception that they can use, but that's probably more valuable than getting any player back at this point. Um, uh, that's a good tool to have. Yeah. Um, as we saw, and that's why they were able to get Uber in the first place. You know, I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking, though. I, I, yeah. The sign and trade idea. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't, I don't know. But it's gonna be I really mean, hard. It benefits. It's complicated, uh, but you, it benefits both parties. Uh, I think that Uber's market value is honestly going to end up being lower than we all initially thought. Yeah. Um, we all we had talked about 15 to 20 mil. Um, given how he season, given the injury concerns, um, given his rough, 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 rough plus minus, uh, they were significantly better with him on the bench this season than when he played. And this is years. Uh, this is years of sample size. It's not just the Warriors. Phoenix, the same yeah, thing. I don't Washington, think. I don't think his, I think for smart teams, they're not going to look at him and say it's a fifteen million dollar guy. I think he's closer to ten, maybe even less than that uh, than, than ten million. But if the Warriors went to him and they said, look, we know you're only getting offers in like the eight to 10 mil range. We're going to give you 15 mil and we're going to trade you. Well, that's the thing is it's not that simple. Like the other team that he's getting traded to has to agree to pay him $15 million because right. is an unrestricted free agent. He has to go to the team he wants. Like the a lot of people are picking, a lot of people are saying like Indiana. Sign and, right. When a lot of people are saying just sign and trade him to Indiana. Uber might not want to go play in Indiana. And knowing Ubre the way we do, he probably doesn't want to go play in Indiana. I don't think that that's like the fashion capital of America, you know? And so I, I if it's up to Ubre and he can go to New York or something, then he probably would. Now, can the Warriors execute a sign and trade in that way? Maybe, maybe they can. Even the Knicks, who have a ton of cap space, might decide that they want to do the sign and trade route. And, you know, I don't think they're in the, in the being threatened to, to uh, pay the luxury tax because that's another thing when you get sign and trade. When you, when you receive a player out of sign trade, you get hard capped. So that's another thing. There's another team on a hard cap themselves for Kelly Oubre. I'm not saying it's p- impossible. I'm not. But I'm just saying a lot of things have to go right. You know, like the Warriors have to con- to facilitate the whole thing. And it's complicated. Uh, Kelly Oubre has to want to go play for that team. That team wants to have to pay for Oubre and want, not only want Oubre's services, but pay Oubre what is going to be above market value probably in order to execute that sign and trade. And I think the Warriors will also have to add draft compensation to a sign and trade, right? To make a team take on that, that hard cap and everything that comes along with it. Uh, and then pay Ubre a little bit extra money probably to do that. So um, I'm not saying it's impossible. There's just a lot of moving parts. And it's not as simple as sign Kelly Ubre to an above market value and then trade him later. Because ultimately, it's still up to Kelly Ubre where he wants to play. So, all right. Um, we've talked a lot about Kelly Ubre. I want to now... Uh, get to a couple other notes before we talk about um, some targets. One note, Steph Curry, that extension needs to be signed this offseason. It sounds like everybody is confident that it will. 
Uh, is that an, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, Connor. Agree or disagree? Oh, agree. Agree. I was on a All podcast right. right after the season ending game and my colleague Rusty floated out. Maybe something's going on. I love Rusty. He's usually spot on about most things, but I disagree with him about that. that no. He is being resigned. It's not a concern. Um, nobody wants this hanging over their head. Uh, the Warriors have enough experience with star players and with pending free agencies. Um, Steph Curry is very different than Kevin Durant in a very, in a lot of ways. Um, so I don't want to make that one for one comparison necessarily, but I think it's enough of a traumatizing season for these warriors that they want to just avoid it. And by the way, Steph is coming off of a great year. He's 33, lock it in, get paid, you know, $60 million when you're 37. Good for you. You deserve it. Moving on. Um, they base Bob Myers. This is where I wanted to get to, and I have a list of players that could be potential free agent targets who would fit under the mid-level exception or a minimum contract. This is your thing, by the way. This is what this spend, is. You spend more time coming up with these types of names than anyone I know, and I appreciate it about you. This is it's what I do. Um, uh, of all the things I bring to the table, this is what I am known for. Uh, Bob Myers said, I, "I asked Bob Myers, what do you want to add this year?" And he basically said, "A floor spacing big and a playmaking guard." Right. And shooting. Uh, So I found a bunch of playmaking guards and some veteran type bigs, some of which are floor spacers. Um, Do you want the guards or the big men first, Connor? Guards. Patty Mills. Avery Bradley. Garrett Temple. Wesley Matthews. Not quite a playmaker. Wayne Ellington. Not quite a playmaker, but both of them are uh, shooters. And Wesley Matthews' is case, a 3 and D guy, even though the defense is a little has, has waned over the years. But of those guys, those names, those are guys who have maximized their earning potential, could be looking to chase for rings, uh, and could absolutely could help an offense right now, and could be available at the mid a portion of the mid level exception, or at the veteran minimums. Which do you like? Uh, is there one guy of that group that you like specifically? I like. Patty Mills and I like yeah. Wayne, Wayne Ellington. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Ellington, I think you could probably get him for the minimum. And he's an underrated 3 and D guy. Um, he's a career 38.2% three point shooter, shot 42.2% from three this season. He's, he's kind of like a better version of Michael Mulder. That's right. Yep. Um, and so I really like him. And I know that they might be bringing just Justinian Jessup in, but I don't think you can depend on just Justinian just no. Jessup for anything. I think you you see what you can get with him, and if he's helpful, great. If not, whatever. You, you took a flyer on him, but you need to go into next season not really expecting him to really provide you anything. So uh, I think I would I would rather have Wayne Ellington than Michael Mulder, and Mike, Michael Mulder's contract's not guaranteed next season. So if you can bring in Wayne Ellington um, – on a minimum deal or close to it, then you can just wish Michael Mulder well and uh, and feel like you got an upgrade there. I think that's absolutely right. With the blueprint that they found over those last 20 games had Michael Mulder as one of those eight guys. And if you're looking for a weak link, it was probably Michael Mulder. And there was times where he really, I know you're a big Mulder fan. There are times where he really impressed. And I think he has upside. And I think he's an NBA player. But if you can upgrade from inexperienced Michael Mulder to Wayne Ellington, who at, at one point in this year was shooting better than Steph Curry was from three-point range, okay? Um, before, I think he got moved to the on trade a, deadline or something. On a bad team, too. On a bad team. 
Um, well, it's, it's harder to shoot well on a bad team. Yes, it is. There's not as much space. There's no flow. So he deserves credit for that too. So if you just put him in that Molder spot, in that three-man bench with Juan Descano Anderson and Jordan Poole, you've got Juan doing some playmaking and defense. You've got Jordan Poole with the shooting that he provides and the playmaking. And then you got Wayne Ellington spacing the floor for those guys. You add James Wiseman to that mix. Any one of us floor spacing that you can give Wiseman is going to be helpful for him. That to me is a group, right? Now that's not a that's not your whole bench. You still need to make other adjustments. But Wayne Ellington in that role is very helpful. He can also shoot on the move, which would be great in Steve Kerr's offense. I think Ellington could have almost a career renaissance if he were to be in Steve Kerr's system. And I'm not, and I'm I don't work for Golden State's front office. I'm not trying to hard sell Wayne Ellington, but uh, I do think it would be a perfect fit for both sides. I've actually thought that for years. Uh, Patty Mills is also a good one because he can. Wayne Ellington, what he's not going to do is play make for you at all. He's a guy very much that operates without the ball in his hands, um, which can function well. But if they want to add somebody who could do who can create a little bit more with the ball in his hands, then it's Patty Mills. Now, one thing we will see next year is Jordan Poole basically running the offense. I think when if they don't if they don't go after another point guard type, running the offense when when Steph Curry's on the bench. You know, that's another thing that Steve Kerr said he envisions next year. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins anchoring that offense when Steph and Draymond are resting. We know that Steve Kerr likes to pair up his stars. The fact that he is going to pair Wiggins with Thompson and Steph with Draymond, which shouldn't be a shock to anybody, but also sort of, you know, tack on Jordan Poole to that Wiggins and Clay duo. Uh, it leads me to think that Steve Kerr has obviously thought about this quite a bit and that they have a general outline of what they want this next next season's team to look like, right? I think Patty Mills can help that group. I think Wayne Ellington can help that group. Bob Myers also pointed to a floor spacing big. The first name I came up with was Kelly Olenek. Now, I don't know what you can get Kelly Olenek. I don't know what his market value is. He put up huge numbers in Houston, but somebody had to. Good stats, bad team type situation. He basically was out of the rotation at various points for Miami over the last two or three years. I think you could get him at the mid-level exception. It might take the full mid, mid-level exception, but I think you can get him at, with the MLE. I think it would be a great fit. He's a great playmaker, good passer at the center spot, uh, can stretch the floor for you a little bit, can't rebound very well at all. A uh, little bit of a plotting defender, even though he's gotten a little bit better over the years. He averaged over eight rebounds a, per game this season. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean – I don't I mean, know what his, re- his rebounding percentages have never been good. Crazy. 19 and 19 and eight, four, yeah. four assists per game and only 30, 31 minutes. I think it would be a great fit for the Warriors. Now they don't need him to start, but if you have Looney, Wiseman and Olenek, I like that trio. I do too. I, I think that would, in terms of rounding out the roster with role guys, I think we just laid out the best case scenario because all of those guys have significant playoff experience they're all reliable. Like, you know what you're going to get from them. They have a proven track record. They fill needs. Um, and, you know, it also would clarify what you do with the rest of the roster. Like if you, if you get um, Patty Mills, you don't, you don't need, you don't need Nico Mannion on the roster. You probably don't need Nico right. Mannion on the roster regardless, but you don't need Nico Mannion on the roster. You also don't need to rely on pool as much as a, as a playmaker. You can have him just, focus more on scoring um and well, i'm glad then, you brought that up because bob myers said in no uncertain terms that they need to add playmaking and i tweeted that out and i got a lot of well you have jordan pool and all this stuff you got, like you, you got destroyed for that you you get 
you get destroyed for the weirdest stuff, man. I didn't like, say it. It's so funny to me. <laughs> it was so weird. I'm like, okay, you think Jordan Poole is the only playmaker that this team needs? No, this team needs more playmaking. I, Bob Myers didn't say we need a playmaker. You have a playmaker in Draymond Green and Steph Curry in Jordan Poole. He just said more playmaking. So, okay, let's recognize that you have some playmaking and that you still and need more Anderson. playmaking. You have Juan Descona Anderson. Yes, you have some playmaking. You need more playmaking. And that's the thing. And it's one, it's something that I point back to last year when I was pining for Ricky Rubio at the mid-level exception over Kelly Oubre. You need playmaking on this team because when you lose Kevin Durant, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, you've lost a lot of playmaking and you can't just replace that with D'Angelo Russell and then Andrew Wiggins. It doesn't work that way. You don't replace all of that with one guy or even two guys who are significantly worse than those players that we just talked about. So um, you just need more playmaking. I thought it was very strange that people came at me on Twitter. I'm trying to clarify what I don't, I didn't need to clarify that tweet because first of all, I didn't say it. And I thought it was pretty straightforward, but just because you have Jordan Poole, like people have, it's the same Steph Curry thing. Like why don't you just run pick and roll and everything, make him James Harden. It looks different ways. You can't just have a player have a hundred percent usage every game. Like, it doesn't work that way. Okay. Uh, you just need more, more playmaking is always better. More shooting is always better. Um, all right. Other bigs that I had, Mike Scott, Patrick Patterson, Ed Davis, Daniel Tice. Just other options if Olenek doesn't pan out. I, I like Mike Scott. Um, you know, those are all – Those are all. and if you still have James Wiseman on the roster, you know, you're looking at these guys, this, this role playing like no more than 12 minutes a night. Right. Um, 10 to 12 minutes a night. So I, I think – I like that. I mean, I like those guys to fill that role. They're more than capable. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think Jordan Bell's numbers with the Warriors, days with the Warriors are, yeah. are, are over. Um, but uh, yeah, no, th- th- what we're seeing is that th- there's, uh, there's a path. There's a path. And I think, I hope this conversation makes Warriors fans feel optimistic because if you, if you can get, you know, guys like a Wayne Ellington, a Patty Mills, maybe even an Olenek, which is all doable, um, then you're like officially right on the verge of contention, in my opinion. And if you can just get one more like real difference maker, like X Factor guy, I think you're fully in it. But, you know, even if they didn't get that guy, if they if they're able to ace these other decisions, they're going to be in the conversation. Mm hmm. But these are important decisions. You know, sometimes the Wayne Ellingtons of the world decide whether or not you're a contender. They just need to upgrade little parts of this roster. Um, yeah. And, and that's and, it. And the one of the biggest takeaways from this season was Jordan Poole and Juan Escano Anderson can be important factors of a winning team. And that makes Bob Myers job a lot easier. Um, I don't know that. Yes. Next season, feeling confident in their core group of guys that we already knew. Also, Kevon Looney, who there were major questions about entering the season. And then you throw in Jordan Poole and Juan Descano Anderson, not just as helpful guys, but as legitimate bona fide top eight of rotation mm-hmm. players. That really makes his job easier. Patty Mills, Wayne Ellington, Kelly Olynyk, these kinds of guys, I don't think are the is the the missing link six man that this team needs. And maybe you can turn this. That's why the, the Ubre question is so important, is because that cap slot, if it becomes a trade exception or something else, 
another player that you get back in return, maybe. That's how you get to that missing link. Um, I don't well, know how, how else you get there. Lot, though, what? At that type of role. I mean, I know that it was on a bad team, but his his numbers with Houston were impressive. And the most important part about it to me is he was highly efficient. He shot 39.2% from three on 4.6 attempts per game, uh, 54.5% from the field. Um, he's, just, he's, not, he's not a guy that does it in the playoffs is all I'm saying. Like we've seen right. years of Olenek in the playoffs right. but I do and sometimes he's out of the rotation. Help fill that void if you yeah. can't get like that game-changing guy. Like I'd rather have him than Ubre on this team. I really would. Olenek, yeah. That's why I was saying they should trade him just straight up for Olenek at the deadline. But um, uh, I think Olenek could be one of your night-to-night rotation guys. I just think you need another ball handler, versatile defender type. But look, maybe Juan Descano Anderson or Jordan Poole blossoms into that next year. As much as we saw them develop a lot this year without the benefit of practice for most of the season. So maybe one of them becomes that. I think maybe through the Warriors, maybe that's what you're banking on if the Subray sign and trade thing doesn't Juan work. Juan kind of already is. I think he's very close to it. I think he's very close to it. Uh, he needs to be able on this team in this day's NBA, probably get you closer to 10 points a night than he did before. There are too many nights where Juan just is not a non-factor on offense. And if he, if he can get rid of those games as much, then I think he's right there. Yeah, and, or maybe it's Jordan Poole. And Draymond can be more factored his offensively that yeah. himself. Which was part of the conversation that they had with Draymond during his exit interview is that they wanted to be more of a scorer as well. Um, all right, Connor, that'll do it. I'll put a wrap on the exit interviews. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron. Uh, read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. We'll still be having a ton of Warriors content this offseason, but we'll also be sprinkling in some non-Warriors enterprise. So Very I'm excited about that. Yeah, you're going to crush that. Um, yeah, if you're not reading Connor already, make sure you are, especially this offseason where he's going to be able to branch out and, and cover an assortment of different uh, sports topics and otherwise. And like you said, we'll still have some Warriors stuff for you. Connor, thanks, man. It was fun. Perfect. Thank you. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Now get all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.